NZ Aerosports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, Says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sell her a new one. What a sentence and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of the Lunatic Fringe podcast with an old familiar face on the other side. Who the fuck are you and what do you do? All right. My name's Dan Kluge and I am a jump pilot, chief pilot at uh, Go Jump America. Nice. Dan Kluge. Yeah. I have been pronouncing your name wrong the entire time I've known you. And how have you been pronouncing it? I never had a lot of variations. Just Kluge. I never pronounced the E. Yeah. Kluge. I think Kluge. it's Germain. Germanic, yeah all right fair enough so yeah. you're, dude i was so stoked um when i saw your journey starting out as a jump pilot because of course i didn't know you as a jump pilot you know when you and i were working right. together you were you were jumping 
Yep. I was, and, that, and I was actually fresh jumping when I met you as far as a tandem in, the, in, a, in, a, in a professional sense. Yeah. Which yeah. is super awesome because I had no idea until I saw you start posting and stuff that you really had a drive to start flying. So as I got to follow the journey a little bit more and find out not only were you flying, but you were pushing for it. It was really fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. And it didn't start out that way as well. You know, like I, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, like kind of gotten the, started getting the bite when, you know, we, we uh, I remember flying right seat with you when we did, um, when we did the, the Lake Forest demo, yes. the kill demo, right? Yes. And uh, when we flew, we flew back, I think we buzzed through downtown Chicago. Ooh. And I think that started to get the bite to, to think it, start thinking about it. But it was still quite a few years before I, you know, I remember, I remember that flight because. We had actually quite a few people on the plane, didn't we? I, th- I believe so. Okay, yeah, I think there was a few of us that, that just kind of went along to, to go for a ride. Yeah, yeah. well, because it was you, I believe, uh, um, one of the Manifest girls that I had a little something-something with was on the plane and a couple of other friends. And so I dropped it down over the water, over the lake, and then around yep, the city. Yep. Oh, that was a great flight. Yeah, I think we were below the Ferris wheel. And we, came, <laughs> we may have long. been. We <laughs> may have been. It was completely yeah. legal. I was talking to ATC the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the whole yeah. time. So <laughs> this we'll we'll actually get back to this, but I want to, uh, as is my norm on the podcast, to start out with how you got started, not necessarily just in skydiving, but within anything that's a bit more on the extreme side. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm not really an extreme person, right? So I haven't, you know, I part of my family, I think I'm the only one that ever had the, the desire to get like a motorcycle or something like that. You know, mm. like you know, I, I didn't have like. You know, as far as being an extreme sport, you know, maybe snowboarding or something, but that, that actually came after as well. Sure. Um, you know, my I, I, growing up when I was younger, I didn't do the sports or nothing. I wasn't very coordinated. And um, but I remember I, I always had a had a desire for for aviation or flight. You know, when I was growing up, there was there was a, uh, a little log cabin. We call it the log cabin airport a couple miles from my from my house growing up out in the, out in Wisconsin. And, uh, the guy that built it was an old world, world war II vet. Um, so we had Piper Cubs and he'd always just fly over the house, you know, 500 feet, thousand feet over the house all the time, you know, every time we'd, you know, hear an airplane run outside, watching the airplanes go over. And then, um, I think it was about maybe like 10, I went, um, they, there was a demo in in uh, in Eau Claire in Wisconsin, and I watched some skydivers jump in there, and I I, I was over there talking with them, and and uh, I wanted to know everything about it, right? And I, yeah. I think then I knew I was going to jump at some point. Sure. And it turns out the people that that were in the demo actually taught me how to jump. At it. So I learned in skydive with soda, and I went out there and. I was hooked before I even jumped. Out sure. Of yeah. You know, nervous, apprehensive, but but I I knew it was something I wanted to do. Sure. Right? So. You know, it's it's funny. I hear that story from so many jumpers that say that they they never considered themselves, you know, an extre- extreme sports kind of person, uh, but they're into stuff like skydiving, which is still an extreme sport. But it's funny that people right. still we we actively jump out of airplanes and don't consider ourselves extreme sports athletes. 
or you know fearless or any of that shit we just happen to jump right. out of planes right right and I, I think i wonder if you know that maybe that you know it's just the training involved right you know you don't you don't you you it's uh you start off pretty slow you know like like scuba diving you just take it one step at a time and you never you're not just throwing out there right sure it seems like you're just like yeah we're just throwing out the airplane well i started static line so i kind of was just tossed out and, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, you know like you take it in small chunks and and it's never it's never um sure um, it, dream radical you know now, do until you you're laying that... in bed at night and then you think about what you do and then you wake up like holy shit of course <laughs> do so. you think it's not having that extreme sports mentality that um i don't know uh, keeps us from thinking we're extreme sports because we're taking such a methodical view towards it i mean skydiving is an extreme once you know what's really involved with just everyday skydiving right i mean yeah, maybe it's just, or maybe we just don't think of it as as extreme for us, because you know, like you know, you know, and maybe yeah. that's what makes people, you know, like like free free soloing and stuff like that. They don't consider that extreme either, but right, you know, that's why they're good at it. You know, they don't have that fear. Maybe you know, I don't, I'm not sure. Well, so, I always used to say that I happily played on the reputation of an extreme sports athlete that you got with non-skydivers because as a younger single guy, it got me laid. Right, right. <laughs> you know, oh, he's an extreme sports athlete when me and everyone I knew knew that in a lineup of skydivers, I was in the middle to the lower end of the extreme and much more towards the pussy scale. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. But you tell anybody you're like, oh, I work at the drop zone or work at it as a pilot. They don't have any idea what you do, but you know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's extreme for them. I'm like, well, yeah, I just feel the airplane or, <laughs> or whatever, but for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and we'll get to this. Cause I know you've had the, I'm sure you've taken ride alongs now and there's no greater way to realize what one person considers extreme and another doesn't by taking a ride along and you look at yeah, their faces true. and go, Oh, that's right. Normal people yeah. don't do this. <laughs> That's right. Yep. yep. <laughs> so you start out doing static line. Uh, you knew that that was something that you wanted to do, but you also said the family was not into anything along those lines. So what did they think when you go tell mom and dad, you want to start hooking yourself out of planes? Yeah. So I'm um, always supportive. My family's always been supportive of everything I've done. Right. Um, although when they came up to watch, they're like, okay, we'll just come up. I, I, so I did, I did my first free fall that week. I think I did like six jumps in the first two days I went, you know, wow. I signed up for the class, did the, did the class. And then I'm, I landed and like right back off. Right. And, uh, they came up the next day just to see, you know, cause there it's, you know, it's kind of a big, big event, you know, sure. somebody be jumping out of an airplane and, and they thought that was that. And then I kept going, kept going and, <laughs> and they've supported me hundred percent the entire way. I mean, my, 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 parents have both actually jumped nice um in in their uh 70s late 70s um my dad i think was 80 when he jumped nice um, i took him on a skydive and that was one and done for my dad my mom went a couple times but you know they just they're they're, they're happy that i'm doing what i love i think sure now how thing. how old were you when you made your first jump uh 20 i did 21 just about 22 years old. okay nice so, nice well it's coming up on 20 years man it yeah. goes fast doesn't it yeah it does yeah i'm i'm staring at 29 years in the sport coming up real soon and i i have no idea how to feel about that yeah 
I, I it's funny because I mean, you, you, I did that first job, and I mean, that's been my life since you know the last twenty years. You know, sure. through that, that, and you know, having that really no hobbies outside. Of, I mean, hobbies obviously, but that I mean, that's skydiving you know in the industry or going to drop zones or you know traveling somewhere for the winter to sure to work in the sport somewhere was there a was there a grown-up plan before skydiving like was there something you were going to be when you grew up uh as a kid i probably you know i i think of you know like what i would do as as uh when i was growing up i think you know i grew up on a farm really so that was probably it um, and I just kind of just kind of started falling into jobs, and then yeah, I I, I did the skydiving, and then, um, you know, I, I, <clears throat> actually when I started skydiving, that wasn't even the plan was to ever work in the industry. Mm. You know, it was it was a hobby, and then I ended up in Chicago and came out and and met. Um, I think you were working in Hinkley, yeah, and Steph was there, and I talked to them, and I started talking to Steph. She was the manifest, and she calls Doug on the radio and she's like, Hey, you're a uh, new guy's here. You need to hire him. And, uh, that was it. I think that was, <laughs> that was the end of the story. I've been doing it ever since. So. I mean, that's kind of, that's a, a pretty common story in scouting though, isn't it? You, you didn't really have the plan and all of a sudden here I am and you're, you're actually yep. doing it. Yep. Were you a tandem instructor when you showed up in Chicago or were you thinking about it? I was a tandem instructor, very few jumps, I, you know, coming from the Cessna drop. So I think I, you know, maybe a two years of, you know, chunking them out at a, in a club. Sure. Um, now was, was the it. motivation for that to just be able to take friends and family, that kind of thing, or were you doing it for work? Um, really it was just to pay back to the club, you know, the, you know, like when, when I started there, I mean, jumps were 20, I think they're $25. Mm. That was, that was the gear rental, your slot. And, instruction holy shit so <laughs> so so when 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 it got back you know you're you get your static line rating as soon i mean you're packing the, the weekend after you take your first static line class and you're packing for the club so everything was paid paying back to the sure. to the club so i think that i mean that was really the only reason for getting it at that time and, well it must have been quite a step up to go from a little cessna uh club drop zone to a uh, drop zone even though it was a, a smaller mid-sized drop zone running two turbines right absolutely the, i remember the first week in there i i i i slept uh, slept hard when i got home on sunday <laughs> night so. <laughs> yeah cuz I, I mean i remember that weekend very clearly yeah. for a for a smaller drop zone we flew a lot of loads and, and that was really busy then. I mean, we were, we, we didn't have a huge staff and, and I mean, that was coming in like what, 2010 or 11. I mean, we were really busy. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I, I mean, that pack 750 was turning every day of the week. And then the twin otter was cranking on the weekends. And a lot of times the pack would be running with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I doubled my jump numbers quite quickly when I got there. Happens so, fast. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about Chicago, I'm sure you felt the same thing, is um, because it was a, a, a smaller drop zone, it really had a family feel to it. And that's really, I, I mean, when I when I moved to Chicago, I had, you know, debated whether I was going to Skydive Chicago or, or there. And, and I, I really just went out to Hinkley just for that reason. You know, coming from a small Cessna drop zone, I kind of wanted that more of a club vibe, right? Sure. You know, so that's that was kind of the draw when I went there. And, and honestly, just to check it out. And then, you know, I remember when I went out right there, away. 
So. I had uh, we talked pre-podcast and and uh, um I got hired on by Doug, the owner of CSC, uh, literally as the ink on my multi-engine rating was drying. Um, okay, wow. The, oh yeah, I had uh, I had a week before I had to do my check ride on my multi-engine ride, and he had agreed to hire me because I had a couple thousand hours flying the pack. And he uh -huh. told me, look, if you can, you've got this much experience in a turbine, I can teach you how to fly an otter um, with no multi-engine time quicker than I can teach a multi-engine twin otter pilot how to fly jumpers if they don't know how. Um, right, right. And, and I'm like, dude, you sold me. But I'll tell you what, that made my multi-engine check ride the most difficult ride I did because so much hinged yeah. on it. <laughs> right, oh. right, right. Dude, I practically broke down at the end of that. The um, the uh, instructor walks away, and I've passed, and he's I'll just chalk it and come on inside, and I just laid in the seat for yeah. like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's how it I was, feel after every check. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I sure. hate check rides. I fucking yeah. hate them. But yeah. yeah, I remember I got that gig, um, and uh, I drove all the way across the country from Nevada out there, and we were in Hinkley at the time, and the corn was just starting to get kind of high. And I remember, I think I drove past the entrance to the drop zone twice because <laughs> it was in a like cornfield. Right? Yes, yeah. exactly. I'm like, fuck, is yeah. the, the GPS must be wrong. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I saw the, I think I saw the tail of the otter, and I went, or the tail of the pack, one of the two. And I'm like, oh, my God, what have I done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is literally in the corn. But, of course, again, it turned out to be an incredibly busy, really fun drop zone. Yeah, yeah. The people there, I mean, that's, uh, you know, everybody that was working there. You had the Petrowskis and, and you and, and Jackson. And you know, it, was, it, was definitely a, it was definitely a fun time. It really was. It really was. Well, and everybody got to know everybody really well and everybody had their positive traits and their negative traits, but we also knew how to navigate everybody's traits. So everybody knew when I was in a shit mood, I knew when other people were in shit moods, we kind of all just knew how to work around it. We ended up having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to do any of the, the lake house trips that uh, they would do? I didn't. I think I was there. I think I got there too late in the season when you guys did the one in Hinkley. And then I don't, yeah, I was, I, I never, never, I don't think they've been to the lake house since Hinkley. Wow. Think. So, wow. So I may have been one of the last ones. That's why yeah. I tore my fucking bicep off to getting dragged behind a boat. Yep. Yep. <laughs> God ever it's never should, been the same since. Yes. God ever should not do stupid shit on the ground. Cause it's dangerous. Right. right. So yeah. You were you were chucking drogues and were you doing video and AFF as well? Um, the video and AFF came quite a bit later, so it's just chucking drogues. But then, um, yeah, once we started out in in uh, Rochelle, I you know started picking up the camera, and then I, I put off doing the AFF for quite quite some times. I've never I've never done an AFF jump, and mm. you know like you know it was all static lines, so it seemed fairly foreign to me but um i decided to go through the course and and quite honestly you know like i you know flying four away and stuff like that all the time it wasn't as challenging as i thought it was going going to be sure so, um but it's fun you know, flying, not, though, right? not, not necessarily the jumps i just like my first aff you know during the course was the first time i've ever done a you know any type of AFF jump, you know, and then here I am on the, as an instructor, on the, on the, you know, reserve side or whatever, you know, as an instructor, I'm like, I don't even know how this is supposed to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. I've never seen one. So, yep. 
Well, and they designed those courses to be pretty stressful because the real AFF courses with students can be incredibly stressful. So it's already geared to fuck with your head. Yeah, it was stressful. Definitely some. Oh, man. Great week. Yeah. I did the same thing to myself when I got my AFF course. Um, I was jumping in Las Vegas and I got hired to work at Skydive Cross Keys, which at the time was by far the busiest drop zone in the States. It was, I mean, cranking out jumps, but I didn't have my AFF rating and the job hinged on my having an AFF rating. So I literally sold my house, bought a truck with a camper and drove from Nevada, stopped in Eloy to do my AFF course. And if I didn't pass, I could just turn around and go back because I didn't have a job. And I got um, a course director that some of the some of the people listening will know by the name of Billy Rhodes. And Billy Rhodes was a good old country boy, this massive guy and very congenial and very, you know, Southern hospitality. And and I meet him and I shake his hand, tell him it's really nice to meet him. And he says, uh, you weren't in my pre-course, were you? And I'm like, no, no, I was way too busy trying to pack everything up and, and you know, get ready. And I went, he just went, huh. And nobody's ever passed without doing my pre-course, but it's nice to meet you. We'll see you tomorrow. We yeah, walked away and yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is how it starts. <laughs> it, was, it was hardcore. Yeah, I passed, I but it was I, hardcore. And you, know, you know, and, and the pre-course is great because I think that's where you, you, I think that's where you develop your skills. You know, yeah. it's, it's not so much the checkout's a checkout, but the, the course is where you learn what you're supposed to be doing. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really the, the exam there, I, I feel. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think he kind of, uh, um, he grudgingly passed me because I know I did a good job on the course, but man, I was a nervous wreck for that entire thing. I really was. So now you have the opportunity too, because obviously uh, uh, jumping in Chicago, it's a um, seasonal drop zone. It gets pretty fucking nasty in Chicago. So you started traveling for jumping as well, didn't you? So yeah, I think, I believe I did a, a, just stayed in uh, Chicago for a winter and then I went to New Zealand as well. So I know you were in, you went to, uh, uh, was it Bay of Islands? Yeah. It was in Pahia with ballistic blondes. Yeah. With Kelly Cullen and, and uh, yeah. Yeah. The crew. Yeah. So I went there for, for a season and then I ended up in, in Queenstown at end zone for two years. And then I think I went back a couple years later for a, a fourth season. I heard, um, did I hear correctly that end zone closed down? I don't think they did. No, they got bought out. By, did they get bought out? Okay. It, maybe that yeah. was it. Yeah. Cause I, I knew that they're, they're still operating. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cause I know there were a lot of changes going on, but that was like the crazy busy premier drop zone, right? Yeah. It was two caravans <laughs> going, maybe 300 and some tandems a day. Jesus. Yeah. That's big numbers. They're, during the during the Christmas season, it was just extremely busy. So um, to go there, well, to just to go to New Zealand, I'm sure you had the same experience that I did. The first first time I actually left the country outside of Canada and Mexico was to go same. to Fiji. Yep. You know, go, I went to Fiji, and then New Zealand was a few years, a bunch of years later. But uh, what an experience, right? That we decided one day to jump out of planes, and now we're halfway around the world getting paid to do it. Exactly. And you're not on, I mean, you're, you're on it like an extended vacation What better way to learn, um, you know, a culture or, or, sure. or an environment by being there for five or six months, you know? Well, and what a bunch of sweethearts, right? Yeah. Uh, the hospitality is, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, you did. So you did yeah. the Bay of Islands for one, one season? 
one season and then and then down to Queenstown. Yeah. Nice. Yep. So did uh, did you get to meet uh, one of my favorite people ever from the Bay of Islands uh, in Paihia was uh, Paitangi, the Maori tattoo artist? Yeah. Pa- yep. Heard her sing a few times and uh, um, they had like an open mic. Um, definitely got to sing a few times there. So yeah, yeah. she was so spectacular. I took both her kids on uh, skydives and as a, a gifts, I got tattoos from her because, uh, of course, she does amazing uh, Maori yeah. tattoos. Yeah, and you did the the bone work, right? Yes. Or did you have a regular tattooer? No, no, no. She used the gun on me. I'm uh, okay. I, I'm admittedly too much of a pussy to get the bone. <laughs> yeah. I, and I'm covered in tattoos, and I don't. I, no, no. <laughs> I yeah. can't do it. Yeah. But that was one of the coolest things ever is, and that was the real epiphany for me as I was sitting in the Bay of Islands in her studio, which is on the Maori tribal grounds, you know, on the most beautiful part of that beach. And her studio is the garage. Her garage door is open. I'm in the chair as she's working on my back, looking out at the Bay of Islands and no shit, there's fucking dolphins jumping in the water. And I'm like, who, how, how does this happen? This is incredible. Yeah, yeah, just so amazing. beautiful there. Yeah, and that's a, I mean, that's pretty much where we landed. I think when we did tandems there as well. Yeah, man, right um, on the beach. Yeah, and I know they don't there anymore. I think uh, um, ballistic blondes ended up moving full time to Fangare, and I think they had one other beach that they were jumping, but the Bay of Islands put the quash on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we were there. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what an adventure. Yeah. So. All the jumping and everything, at what point do you start to really get the itch and think, I'm going to fly, and why did you decide you wanted to fly? Well, as far as, like, learning to fly, it was kind of by accident. So I kind of, like, it was kind of in the back of my head, like, oh, that'd be kind of cool to learn, you know, like, you know, I could, you know, fly. But um, I actually went, um, a friend of mine that was working, Orion, was working, uh, flying for Doug at CSC and he had to, had to flew to Michigan. He had a little airplane and uh, his, his uh, family uh, runs like concessions at, at like big festivals and stuff nice. like that. And so he wanted to fly over and see his brother. And he's like, Hey, you want to come along? We'll go over there and spend the night and come back in the morning for work. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. And he's like, so I ended up in the left seat, hands me the tech list and flew over there, flew straight across um, Lake Michigan. Oh, um, <laughs> in a little airplane, flew over there, found a, found a little airport, landed, you know, spent the night, came back the next day and landed and he said, hands me a logbook with my hours in there. And he's like, well, when do you want to start your, your next flying? Right. And I'm like, well, how about tomorrow? So I started getting into it. Um, it was, you know, I, I think I flew quite a bit that the rest of that summer and then, he left, so I didn't have really. You know, I kind of put it off for a year, um, and then I I moved out to Oceanside okay. to start working for Go Jump out there. And um, there was a few people. Uh, one of my friends, Starkey, was always studying for for the the written exam, and I was looking at that. I'm like, okay, I need to. Yeah, I got the bug, so I I um, went right out, found a found a school, and and finished it up within a few months. At that oh, point, oh, that's fantastic. Um, and, and at that point I wasn't really thinking about doing it as, you know, kind of like when I started skydiving, I wasn't really thinking about becoming a skydiving pilot. Sure. I mean, that didn't, that didn't come up until much later. You know, I, I thought, you know, if I can learn, if I can get my, well, if I could solo, that'd be cool. You know, I, you know, that would be, that would be quite the accomplishment. Right. Right. And then I'm like, okay, I soloed. 
you know, get the, you know, get the, um, the private pilot, you know, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool to have. Another, sure. you know, like, who, who does that, you know? And I, I really didn't have the confidence, you know, I didn't really have the, you know, like it was very intimidating to fly um, at that point. Um, once I got my, uh, my private, I, I decided I'd, I'd start doing the, the instrument rating right away Yeah. Um, to, to develop more skills. And, and by the time of about halfway through that, I was like, I, I, I feel like I could do, I, I actually feel like I can do this. Right? Sure. And, and then that started to be become an idea to start to press and, and hit it really hard at that point. Nice. Um, That's really you know, similar. You know, it's, yeah. it's really similar to the way that I did things because I, I had not intended to start flying again either. I started when I was 16, uh, had 36 hours in a 152. Uh, and then as 16-year-olds are wont to do, I was a complete fucking moron and I didn't finish. Um, uh -huh. so cut to 2004 and I'm in cross keys and, uh, uh, the guy that owned the rigging loft there, a guy by the name of Mark Cruzy knew that I had yeah. flown and Cruzy took me on a flight to go over to a, a little airport called the flying W and he let me fly a little bit. And then next thing you know, he shoves me in uh, the left seat with a guy by the name of Paul Patterson, who was a flight instructor. And mm -hmm. next thing you know, I have my private pilot's license. And I right. was flying rigs back and forth between Cross Keys and Sussex, building up hours, and I wasn't going to do anything more with it. But then I got really fucking scared by uh, clouds dropping on top uh, yeah, of me. Yeah, I, I think you've told me this story a few times. Oh, yep. dude, man, I barely made it back into Cross Keys without flying into weather, and I was terrified. And I had to decide, all right, if I'm going to be a pilot, I got to be a pilot that can handle this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I went straight into my instrument rating, and it was kind of just like you. I wanted to fly. I just didn't want to get killed doing it. You know, right. I didn't want to pull a, a JFK Jr. and uh, uh, fly myself into the water. So uh, that's pretty much the same thing with me. But now, of course, you know, once you're flying in our sport, it's a, hey, Dan's got his license. Yeah, everybody wants to. <laughs> or, or, or you get your CFI and then everybody wants to, like, oh, let's go fly over here, you know, so, which is great. I love, you know, like to take people up and, and, and let them, uh, you know, give them the controls and, 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 uh, have experience it you know yeah so. i used to love doing that in the twin otter you'd get the uh, observers especially in uh csc we take observers all the time and then even mm -hmm. in dubai i got to take observers a lot and i would always give the observers the controls you know because they're gonna have to work real yeah. hard to do something that's gonna scare me um yeah and, and and you let go of it, let go of everything anyway, right? Yeah, so. yeah, of course, absolutely. But uh, it was always a lot of fun, and and you see the the hook that you can put into people just by letting them hold the controls. They don't even know you're steering the plane using the rudders, but they're having a blast holding that yoke, and it's so cool to watch that. Yeah, yeah, and who knows? Maybe you know how many of those come back to be end up being pilots or jumpers. You know, yeah, you man. never know what what you know, like like when I. Uh, watch the that demo you know like who knew that i would be hooked at that point right so you never know in your in your life and who you meet is gonna change their trajectory you know sure so kind of cool it's uh it's funny too because and i'm sure you've had this in your flying too there's always pivotal moments especially once you've started flying on your own and you're building up hours and you're just in the cockpit on your own doing whatever you've got to do but i think especially being skydivers, we learn to take snapshots of appreciation along the way um, and yeah. kind of take stock in what we're doing. And I can't 
even count how many times that I've stopped to look out the window and go, oh my God, I'm I'm doing this. And yeah. the, the first real big one working in the sport for me, well, there were two real big ones. The first time I ever threw the Pax M50 into beta and the prop made that sound, I'm like, fuck, yeah. I did that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Super. One of the most cool sounds in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Super cool because I yeah. made that sound. But the other one was the first time I dropped that kilt demo in Chicago and I was by myself this time and I was fl- I'd only been flying for a couple of months in the otter. Um, and I was signed off pretty quickly because uh, apparently I wasn't a complete ass clown flying it. And right. it dawned on me about halfway back to Hinkley that I'm by myself in a twin otter just alone flying this right. thing going, holy right. shit, I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 quite crazy when you're you know you fly doing a cross country or something, you have the time to reflect, you know, like it, and it's like, ah, oh, this I never thought I'd you know be a, nobody gets to do this shit, you know, no. like you no. Know? And and it's not it, it's not hard, it just takes a lot of work to get there, right? You know, that's the thing, right? You, is flying a plane is very mechanical, it's very well, flying a plane is easy until shit goes wrong. And then it gets right. interesting, yeah. but yeah, yeah f- mechanically flying a plane is like driving a cab with a couple of extra directions. It's all the shit that goes on on the ground and the paperwork and the setting up. But in that it's kind of like skydiving. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you know, the thing about, you know, airplanes, you, you, it's not like a car where you just jump in and drive it. Right. Like there's so much, you, you have to have such an understanding of the systems and, and how everything, you know, how to handle it in an emergency. Right. Or in, you just can't pull off the side of the road and and fix it you know? sure so have it you know just learning all the systems and 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 not coming from a mechanical background sometimes it can be quite intimidating as well right you know like and the the airspace and and everything that was probably the hardest part you know like thinking about you know all you know you see the the far aim and you're like now oh, there's no way i'm gonna do this i'm not gonna, sure. start, I'm not gonna start flying and and uh but then, I mean, but you take it in chunks, you know, you, you start off, you, you know, like your private pilots, just, it's like, it's a license to learn, you know, like, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, it's like getting signed off to solo in, in AFF, you know, um, you're, you're not finished learning it. By, by no, it. no, no. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm basically retired and I'm not done learning. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, every day. Absolutely. Well, you know, it was it was kind of funny because uh, especially back then when I got started, uh, Doug was the one that trained me in the Otter. And uh, as you know, the Otter is the largest aircraft that you can fly without a type rating. Uh, mm-hmm. So I didn't have to have a type rating. I just had to have a multi-engine, which meant Doug could teach me how to fly it. And he taught me how and and he taught me well um, in that environment. But then when I left skydiving briefly to give a shot at the airlines, it was in Twin Otters. And I remember messaging Doug uh, after the fact because they had sent me to flight safety to go through mm-hmm. the sim. And I went through all their training courses. And I think I sent him a message along the lines of, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't kill everybody and blow up the plane. I knew <laughs> yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's, you know, that's something that I, you know, like Doug was 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 a great, great teacher as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, as far as flying jumper, I mean, he's done it been doing it for so long. Um but it was one one of the things that you know we're really working on is is making sure people have a really good understanding of the of the aircraft, you know, the firewall forward stuff, you know, the systems and, yep. and how to handle that, right? Um, as far as flying jumpers, I mean, I really had. I'm, I'm glad that I, I learned 
with dog as far as you know like you know just being consistent flying all the numbers you know it was it was uh, very helpful in my in in the skydiving career for sure oh yeah well you know when i i give him a lot of credit too i give him credit again for putting me in a twin otter when uh, um quite frankly very few if any other dzos would have um right. but also right. not just giving me the training but allowing me the freedom to then go continue to learn on my own because i'm sure you know just as well as i do and a lot of jump pilots do you learn more your first 10 loads after the guy that checked you out gets out of the plane than you did in the hundred hours before. Um, I never forget how hard I would beat myself up making these piddling little mistakes that he would slap my hand for when he was there. And if I did it when I was on my own, I was heartbroken that I didn't do it perfect. Yeah. I was sitting there tapping the tablet. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. And he's super OCD, which is great. You know, like, you know, that's, that's, that's followed me through. So yeah, it really was. I'll, I'll never forget uh, um, one of the jumpers he was talking to. Doug was in the back jumping and he had a, a set altitude that he wanted the uh, red light turned on. It wasn't a time. It was an altitude. He wanted it set on. Yeah. And apparently yeah. he leaned over to this jumper and he went, watch this. And he's looking at the altitude. And as soon as they hit the altitude, he pointed at the light and the red light came on. And he's like, I taught him that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, twelve thousand feet. Yeah, it's yeah, always the two minute. Was the two minute one was always that. You know, it doesn't matter if you're five minutes. Yeah, because he he beat that into me. Although that bit me in the ass because when I briefly got to fly in Mexico, it was Fritz from the Flyboys came up to me on a shutdown and went, "Why the fuck is the red light on like five minutes out?" And I'm like, "Old habits, man." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll try and make it two minutes. I promise. Yeah, I promise. Yeah. Well, and you and I have, again, something very similar in that um, CSC was our first drop zone that was a real thumper. You know, I mean, I flew for Skydance in the Pac-750, but you got your first chance in the in the caravan out there as well. Yep. Uh, my first flew in the caravan, I'm probably, I think I, I think I had about 500 hours when Doug brought me on nice. over there, you know, through the training and stuff, which is, it's very hard to do with insurance now, Sure, you know, to get into that kind of position with under thousand hours you know yeah um, yeah definitely my... when i was when i got the material to start reading on my drive over so i was like man i feel, I feel like i'm over my head for sure yep. you know and uh i don't that month of training was was very stressful every day oh, yeah. and, like i'd get out of the plane and even if it was five loads i would i would I'd be so tired and just pass right out. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I had a guy that I trained in the, uh, in the twin otter out in Dubai and, uh, he at the time, uh, it was his first multi-engine as well. He'd gotten signed off on the otter, but the chief pilot wanted him to get 200 hours with a co-captain before he'd let him fly on his own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this particular pilot preferred flying with me over the other staff pilots. So I spent the majority of that 200 hours sitting in the right seat for him. And he would beat himself up making little mistakes or we had very tight airspace that we had to fly in. And if you flew out mm-hmm. of the box, it was kind of a big deal. And so he just beat the shit out of himself and uh, he was really getting down on himself. And on a shutdown, I'm like, the next five loads, I'm going to sit in the left seat. You're going to do nothing but sit there with a pen and paper and mark down everything I fuck up. And at the mm-hmm. end of it, he had a decent list because you know how it sure. is. There's little mistakes yeah. everywhere, every load. The idea yep. is to try and Absolutely. get better. And we shut down and I'm like, how'd he do? And he's like, I feel much better about myself. And I'm like, that's the point, man. It's, it's not yes. about getting it perfect. It's about trying. 
It's about and, it, and understanding the mistake and trying to fix it on the next one, right? Yes. You know, yes. your altitude, your turns, you know, you're not, you're not going to have the perfect one every time, but it's to realize what you did wrong on that one and, and fix it on the, on the next jump. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure you got the same lessons that I did uh, uh, flying with Doug is that if the passengers know you're in a turn, you're turning too fucking hard. Absolutely. That's, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah, you get, you get to have 15 degree bank. Have fun yeah. on the way down, but on the way up, man, they shouldn't know that anything's happening. It should be That's as mellow as can be. Yeah, and 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 you know, and being consistent with with for the jumpers, right? The the red the yellow light comes or the red light comes on at the same time every time. You know, yep. like and do you fly? You know, you fly out. You, you run your jump around, and so all you, all you have to do is look out the window, and and you know, okay, like to be getting out soon or you know like you know where you're at you know what's going to happen and you're predictable sure you know? yeah yeah absolutely which is the best thing you can possibly do the other thing that uh that doug did that uh i had never seen before was he had a great pa system in the twin otter so i was able to call distances and ground speeds which for a heads up instructor is gold you know, yeah, I, yeah. now there's no rush to the door. We're barely moving across the ground. I can, we can crawl there or holy shit, we're moving. Let's get to the door. You know, yeah. it was great. And it made yeah. everything more efficient. And as you know, especially at a drop zone where you're getting paid by the load, get the fuck out of the plane. Cause I got to make more money down. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. That, that, that calm is nice when day, especially when you're trying to communicate something, you know, not, not even just the, the speeds and stuff, but like getting, getting the communication from uh, the jumper sitting next to you to the back of the plane is. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it doesn't happen. Right. No, you know? the, the PA system made it great. And unfortunately, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but uh, when you're sitting in the left seat and you're trying to yell communications to the back, People think you're being an asshole because the only yeah. way you can do it is to yell That's at the, the top of your lungs. Right. I don't know. And, and I am an asshole, but I don't know how many times people are like, Dean's being a prick. And I wasn't. I was just trying to get a message back there. <laughs> the veins are going in your neck as you're turning around like, I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, it is what it is. You know, I mean, that's part of the sport. And that's uh, that's what the the beers get open for. And people sit around and chit chat afterwards and go, dude, I, I wasn't trying to be a dick. I just this was what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's listening to me because they can't hear me. So. Yeah. 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 So yeah. all of this by happenstance, skydiving happens, uh, flying happens and, and then uh, um, again, stepping it up and, and now chief pilot. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I, I think it was in the works before I even started flying. I'm not sure, but um, you know, just having, you know, working in, in Oceanside, you know, all of our pilots, none of our pilots are jumpers. So just having um, somebody that's familiar with both sides sure. in, in the, in the cockpit was, was crucial. Um, so you can make changes, you know, and, and, and you can manage it on the, from the ground or from, from the sky. Right. You know, sure. if things that's, aren't being done. I'll tell you what, my hat's off to successful jump pilots that aren't jumpers um, because I've always been of the firm opinion that by far the best jump pilots are jumpers. Um, but I've yeah. seen incredibly talented jump pilots that aren't, and I don't know how they do it without yeah, knowing. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I trained a guy uh, this summer, I think the beginning of the summer, no jump pilot experience, about a thousand hours, but he was a super heads up guy. Right. Mm. Um, got him the material he came, you know, had was, was super prepared. I mean, just, just, 
a great student, right? You know, like no turban experience. Um, knew, like, was on me about, you know, like, okay, I've got this, you know, I've got this. And they asked me questions. I'm like, this is great. You know, okay, let's, let's start flying now. And uh, took them up on the first one. I took, I was in the left seat. I took off and got up, you know, like thousand feet. I'm like, okay, we'll just take, you know, take the patrols and see how you feel. And I didn't, I never touched, touched the, the stick after that. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, he put it up, you know, like explained what I wanted and, and he's, he just did what he needed to do and i was just like that ah, if everybody could be like that it would be amazing right you know yeah but unfortunately it's it's unfortunately one out not. of every one out of every 20 or 30 that uh, come out can grab onto it like that i mean i've i've right. had some interesting attempts from potential jump pilots that just they just can't get especially on jump run and slowing it down and they're so intimidated by getting mm-hmm. slow and ass loaded that they just let that the nerves and all the the all the proper aviation training that they should be paying attention to overloads yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They start looking at one thing. Yeah, they get fixated on 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 one thing and forget yep. how to forget how to you know they couldn't do a commercial check right at that point. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So now, what's the yeah. what's the long road look like for you? I mean, obviously, if you're a chief pilot with a, a good operation, we're now living in a time where being a jump pilot potentially is a proper career never used to be but now it is so is it stick with that or do you have daydreams of corporate or airline someday no never yeah but i I didn't think i was gonna be a jump pilot either so um (laughs) so who knows (laughs) so i'm I'm happy where i'm at i've worked hard to get to here and and i want to enjoy it for for now well, so, you know, and I'll tell you what, it's an absolutely amazing career. I finally um, stepped down just for a change of scenery because I'd been doing it for so long and I'd had a couple of surgeries on my neck. So sitting for long days in the cockpit just wasn't comfortable anymore. And I, I hit my milestone of rolling through 10,000 hours in the otter and went, you know something, I can sit on the ground for a while. Uh, but yeah. you never know, dude, if you ever see an application with the fucking pilot on top of it, that's me looking for summer work. That's right. You know where to call. You yeah. know who to call, Dean. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I, I, I don't know if you want to leave where you're at, but. Oh, I'd come for a summer. Although, yeah, you're going to have a tough time prying me out of Finland for right now because it's, I, I got to say, there's something to be said for retirement. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to get you checked out in the caravan now. There's not very many places to go to fly an otter anymore. I, I would have to. Well, I've, I've actually probably got, I don't know, 800, maybe 1,000 hours in the caravan. Okay. We can do the interview right now. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a little bit. I mean, when I, when I flew with you in Chicago, I didn't realize you were, you were freshly minted in the otter. So I think that's, that speaks for itself right there. Yeah. 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 Freshly minted to the point where, um, Carolyn, Doug's wife actually was like, just get out of the plane. He's going to have to do this at some point. And he's like, all right. Don't fuck it up. And that first load, he had he had offered me the gig to go fly the otter in Mexico, contingent on everything going well. And I was like, you know, don't offer me that yet. Let's make sure that first off, I can fly this plane and then let's make sure I like it. And I'm not even kidding. I was on the descent from my very first solo load. And I'm like, hey, Manifest, is Doug there? Doug's like, yeah, what's up? I'm like, I'm going to Mexico. Nice. <laughs> like, fuck yes, man. This is amazing because it was so much fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man, it's been a thrill watching the progression and and especially, again, starting from a newer jumper to I didn't even know that uh, the idea for flying was planted on that 
flight that you did with me. So that's super cool. Like I yeah. like that a lot. Uh, and yeah. then to see where you are now is fucking fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a, it's been an adventure for sure. And yeah. It's not only an adventure, but an adventure nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. So now what, what does the family think about the fact that you're in the plane now instead of jumping out? Are they happier about that? I, I think so. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're happier that I'm not jumping as much. Just yeah, don't tell them but, a lot more shit can go wrong with the plane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and I've, I've taken them both up for rides. You know, they love it. You know, they, yeah, they're, they're just, they're honestly like, they're, they're just excited that I'm doing something that, that makes me happy. That I'm, yeah. You know, you know, that's the greatest part about it. Right. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm sure you're the same as me. How many offices do people work at where every day at one point they need to take out their phone to take a picture? Right. Right. Exactly. I've got about 2000 photographs of the, the Palm Jumeirah or the desert or all the flights that I've all over the place. Cause it yeah. was just so fucking gorgeous. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. Whenever I got like what, 16,000 jumps and, and how many hours now in, in the caravan is I don't, tire of looking out the window no at all every no. single job you know like just staring out the window and you know it might be the same scenery but it's just doesn't God, matter it's just something about it right like, doesn't matter well and for any jumpers listening that are, are at a drop zone where you have the opportunity to sit in the right seat with your pilot and you think that the pilots are up there just bored and hating life you haven't ridden down in the plane with them yet. So <laughs> right, go, right. go go take a right seat ride because even a normal skydiving descent is not what you're used to in an airplane. And it's a lot of fun. And I would try and explain to people that think, oh, my God, you guys are just beating the hell out of the plane. And you go, no, I'm by the numbers all the way down. This is exactly what this plane is rated to do. It's just that you're used to coming in in a 737. And when the wing dips more than 10 degrees, you shit your pants. <laughs> yeah yeah the approach your, your your approach is a little bit yeah little bit closer and higher for sure so yeah. uh for whoever wants to come jump uh, jump at your drop zone or they want to reach out to you because they're thinking maybe they want to start flying and and uh, uh they want to know how you went about right. it they want to know if they're too young or too old or all that how do people track you down how do they get a hold of you well i'm on on instagram as klugski but if you really want to find me on facebook it's daniel klugi um, you'll have to do the spelling for them on the, on the uh, all right on the well, link Klugi K L U G E. Um, I'm sure it'll be the one of the top connections because everybody's connected as skydivers. Here, yeah. so I'm sure you'll be able to find me for so, sure, for sure. And you're at uh, Go Jump. Go Jump. I, I, I'm working out of Oceanside, but you can find me in Hawaii or in Vegas. So we have three three locations right now so oh brutal i'm currently in hawaii now so fucking brutal life you got dan uh, it's 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 tough i think uh, i showed you the picture the other day i sent you a picture the other day and it's yeah it's just gorgeous yeah you can't beat it man Uh, i uh uh, actually we've got fun jumping back here now so awesome um, you can come back and fun jump in uh at go jump in hawaii oh that's fantastic well, and I know, uh, I think uh, the Oceanside drop zone first got my attention because I believe you guys were originally flying my pack 750 out of Skydance, the blue, red, and yellow one. I believe so. I, I think they... They rented that for the... may still have that one. Yeah, I think for uh, at least had, for the first couple of years. Dogs for a while as well. The old CSC plane was there for a while. Really? So. Yeah, yep. it's it's funny. Those planes make the rounds. So, yeah, I see the pictures all the time. But that blue, yellow and red one was that was my first turban. Uh, so okay. that's my that's my first love. 
Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Dan, that's cool. This has been fantastic, man. It's been too long, Dean. It's been a long damn time. We're going to make sure that it doesn't happen uh, quite so long again. And don't be surprised. You might have me hitting you up for a summertime contract sometime. You know how to find me. All right, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too, Dean. See you later. Yeah. Dan. That was perfect. Wait, wait, well, that was perfect. No, no, no. That was absolutely fantastic. That's uh, cool. exactly what I want is just a chit chat. No bullshit, no drama, just a lot of fun. And and especially for the younger jumpers that listen, it's kind of a window into the people that have been doing it for a while. Somebody that's thinking about flying. It's, it's yeah. a nice little boost for them. Yeah, it is cool that, you know, like I say, it's weird. Like all of a sudden, somebody, you don't know what impression you have on people. It's so crazy. You right. know, like, like you, you know, I'm like, you have no idea sometimes until, you know, 10 years later, you know, like we have a jumper out at CSC now and, you know, he saw me jump into the demo in, in, uh, uh, one of the, the, one of the, um, fourth of July demos or something. Yeah, yeah, came yeah. Out. And he came out and I did jump with him at a, as a tandem. And now he's like one of the top tandem guys out in, in, <laughs> in, uh, in Rochelle. Right. Like it's just, you don't, you don't realize the, I know it. Well, and it's, I mean, uh, especially now as we get more and more years in the sport and, you know, go from being the average jumper to the elder statesman, because we've been doing it for a while and, and you'll, you'll have this experience. You may have already had this experience as well, where people only know you as the pilot. So they'll ask you, well, do you jump? And you just kind of go, yeah, yeah. not anymore. No. <laughs> Every once yeah. in a while. I had somebody yeah. do that in Dubai. They were like, well, you don't jump, do you? And I'm like, eh, I've done a few. And then I walk away and my buddy's like, he's got like 13,000 jumps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which um, I love. I love that you just kind of take on the next chapter and, and you do your thing, which is so much fun. Yeah. And oh, I, should, I should have said that. I mentioned that in there. But yeah, so if you're thinking about doing it, you got to, you know, like, skydiving is not forever, you know, for no. the body, you know, like if you, you, you would have never made it in the sport you know, still doing tandems like, like fucking Jackson. I mean, that guy's a machine. So dude, but. well, he, he's beat up too. And I'll tell you what, uh, I, I love Jackson to death, but part of me feels bad for him. You know, he, uh, he had the caravan crash in Dubai. Um, yeah. And that and, was, that was about the time I was over there. Cause I was yeah. I had stopped in and then went to Jordan and then that happened while I was in Jordan. Yeah, dude, that was fucking intense. And so he refused to fly the single engines after that. Um, and nobody blamed him because mm. quite frankly, it was his flying and a jump master in the back of the only reason that anybody lived. Um, yeah. Otherwise, they were all dead because it was horrible. But uh, he flew for a while longer, but you could see that the passion just was gone. And Dubai yeah. kind of sucked it out of you anyway. But to see him still chucking drogues, I just I want to walk up and hug him and go, oh dude <laughs> like have you ever seen that old movie uh alfie uh, alfie no I, I don't think i have rent that. the rent the movie alfie i can't remember the guy that it stars but um it'll it it was like in i don't know 1990 something it's jacko through and through it's that's who it, it fucking it, you'll die laughing through the whole thing yeah that being said the guy still has perfect hair and a six-pack so fuck him yeah, yeah. Like I, I sent him a message the other day. I'm like, I went and got a haircut, if that's what you can call it, that. And all I could think was, fuck Jackson. And I sent yeah. him that as a message. Yeah, well, I've got the hair. I think I'll still have the hair, right? I don't have the six-pack. 
anymore either. But, so I, yeah. I managed but to still the, keep the, the only, six. I think the only reason I had the six pack is because I was living with Jackson. So there's that. That would fucking do it. That would absolutely do it. Yeah, the I'll tell you after uh, um, all the jumping and stuff, the two surgeries that I had on my neck and now chronic shoulder problems, you know, drogue arm shoulder problems and stuff. All of it is starting to pile up a little bit, and I'm having to really work to take care of myself. And getting out of the cockpit for me was it was kind of important because I yeah. last load of the day, literally climbing down out of the otter was killing me. And I'm yeah. like, I, I just, I can't be doing this anymore. I can't yeah. be pulling eight hours in the cockpit anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's too much. Yeah. That's um, what I was feeling with jumping so often. Right. Like yeah, man. You know, I, I was getting older, like the injuries started happening too quickly. You know, like I, I went how many years without no pull muscles, no nothing. And sure. then all of a sudden it's like, this is happening. This is happening. My last day working, I, I, I pulled, I had a bad opening and fucked up my shoulder. Right. And I think that's, the the tandem career ender yeah, I, yeah. you know like on on my last day of work for it before i went to fly for the season you know in back in chicago yep and that that i think i'm done you know like yeah man i mean doing those abbreviated drug throws because you can't fucking throw your arm up anymore to get a good drug throw yeah it's it's it eventually it just becomes not worth it anymore yeah it really That's- isn't uh, in in all seriousness, uh, I don't plan on it, but it depends on workout this way. I may be looking for summertime contracts down the road. What's your guys set up for stuff like that? So really, we don't do much of it because everything's all year round. So, so you guys have got a like, full like even in Oceanside, we're all employees there. So I, I, we, we have one guy, Mike Johnson. He, he's like a day. You might know him, Mike Johnson. He's an old old school I, skydiver. I may know the face. I don't know the name. But he was out in Davis um, flying. He, I think he worked at the school in Davis, but he comes out and flies. So he's about the only contractor we have come out and fly. Okay. Um, and then everything else is, is yeah, like we have two guys in Vegas. It's, it's, it's going good. So it's, and everything's year-round, right? So we have, you know, everything's filled up for the, the summer here. So Okay. Well, down – down the road, if you find yourself in a bind, um, I, the only thing I've discovered about Finland is uh, not speaking Finnish means local work is impossible. Um, yeah. And I found out that to do the crossover to get my IASA means doing the full course. Everything uh, again. Yeah. 14 exams, all the check rides. And I told the wife, I'm like, fuck that. I will go yep. fly contract work in the States for three, four months here and there. So yeah, down- it may, it may. So we might so here in in hawaii we might start doing i think we're going to get another caravan and nice. start doing um military stuff out here nice so that that it might change things down the line so we'll see what happens there yeah i mean um, if you need something. a fill-in guy or or if something like that comes up i would be down for anything up to a six-month contract um yeah. so if shit comes up just keep me in mind doug's looking for somebody to go to my Bahamas. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I've mended fences with Doug's, but I don't. I'm not gonna work for him again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's honestly, that's how I. That when I left, it was time to go. Right. Like, yeah. I went inside. It was. It was time to. Well, yeah, it was time to go somewhere that was busy and that I could make money. Well, and that was the thing, right? Is I mean, uh, um, that was when Woody was still there, and and Doug was going through a lot of changes and spending crazy money, and and. Uh, he was kind of pinching pennies in in what I thought were all the wrong places, including As his. Yeah, 
you know, and, and we, it came to a head when I finally sat down and went, dude, I'm not making a living wage. And I've been busting my ass for four years. I can't do this anymore. I'm like, I'm yeah. washing your planes every week, both of your planes every week and waxing them for free. And you're yeah, not, yeah. and you're not paying me for loads where they don't get out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that was the and, only, and, 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 you pay you a minimum only if you flew, right? So you yeah. Say, okay, well, that was wow. the biggest yeah. argument we had was when I found out after the fact that I had, I had two single engine landings with him. Um, one of them, cause they put the wrong fucking PCU on one of the engines for fuck's sake. Oh yeah. shit. Yeah. So Over I landed. Yeah. yeah. Summertime, full load, hot conditions in DeKalb landing fucking with everybody on board because I lost it at like 300 feet as a new otter pilot. And then cut to two and a half years later, I find out that he didn't pay me for those loads because nobody got out. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You, you, you made your salary for the year on that one. Right? Yes. That was exactly. my thing is I'm like, how can you fucking sleep at night knowing you didn't pay me when I landed your plane single engine with all on board on that little field? But whatever. Yeah. Bygones are bygones, man. Like I said, I, I hope he does amazingly well, but I'll never work for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so, Mike's doing Mike's doing it good here. He's paying people well. So good. Well, that's the only way, man. I mean, you pay people well and you get them to stay there. You know, I mean, that's why yeah. I did 10 years in Dubai. They paid me insanely well. And although it was up and down and rocky and it's a, a bit of a difficult um living conditions are yeah the vibe is very difficult to live through because you know you're you're always one wrong comment away from being thrown out but for what they were paying me it was worth putting up with it you know especially as the assistant chief pilot for 10 fucking years so yeah yeah yeah, it was good so uh this is going to come out in three weeks um comes out on mondays so i think you'll be coming out on what like the 18th um i will uh do a little write-up of the episode and then i'll make sure prior to that you've got a link i don't think we talked about anything uh over the line but if you think of anything you want taken out let me know um otherwise dude let's keep in touch man it's really cool hearing what you got going on and and i'm super glad that you're so successful in what's happening thank you yeah Yeah, as well it's good 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 catching up for sure yeah you too i was like I, we didn't touch the political shit on there, so we don't have to worry about pissing too many people off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I try and stay yeah. away from it, honestly. I've discovered that it's not worth it, and the podcast now has gotten the reputation for being a very positive, uplifting podcast. And yeah, I'm getting perfect. I'm getting like 8,000 downloads a month, so it, it's, cool. it's doing well. I'm not going to fuck with a good thing by sitting around talking yeah. shit. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. yeah, and everybody, you know, like I say, everybody that I dis- disagree with, I... I you know, you know them on an individual basis, and you're like, ah, they're, dude, they're for every, like, you know, for every, way better than you think. But yeah, yeah, well, and for every negative thing I might have to say about somebody, they've got just as many negative things to say about me. So why fucking do it? Yeah, absolutely. It does, I'm too old and too tired and too broken up to go picking fights. <laughs> All right, brother, you take care of yourself. All right, you too, Dean. Good to see you. See ya. Peace. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. 
Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving, go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD, head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available, hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.